What is going on, juveniles? Welcome back to another episode of the Juvie Podcast, the best part of your Saturday. And before we get into these topics, please make sure if you're watching on YouTube, please make sure to like this video, leave a comment, hit share, send, send it to your grandmother. She'd love it. Um, and also make sure that notification bell is on. And also if you're listening on any audio platforms, please make sure to download this episode and leave us a five-star review. Because if you leave us a review, we will read your review live on air on the episode. And you guys, since our YouTube audience has just been so amazing these past few weeks, instead of reviewing your review, we're going to review some comments comment. today to open this episode. So if you guys want your comment or reviewed, or review reviewed, whew, tongue twister, then make sure you drop one. All right, starting off with Ashley Gun 9047 She said, loved hearing about your childhood nostalgia. It made me excited to see what my babies will be excited about when they move beyond baby dolls and stuffed animals. Your mother listens to Juvie. This is someone's mom. Someone's future mom is listening to this. Ashley, shout out you. We appreciate you. Shout out. Someone, Josh, Susie Williams said, I will destroy Josh at a sword fight in Wii Sports. Never. That's a challenge. I challenge you, Susie Williams. <laughs> you will never beat me. <laughs> um, okay. Someone corrected me because I said it's called Jack and Annie, but apparently it's called the Magic Treehouse. You're probably right on that one, Wyatt. I, I think I'm going to take the L. I've heard of a Magic Treehouse. Jack and Annie's just like the characters. The characters. I think I grew up saying that. Um, okay, last one. Admiral, a legend on the show, says, Y'all mentioned Diary of a Wimpy Kid, but not the Amulet series. Haven't heard of it. Haven't heard of it either. I responded with, never read it. You guys, if you want your comment reviewed on the next GV episode, make sure you drop it in the comments right now. And again, all the audio listeners, make sure you guys drop your review, and we will review it on the next episode. Also, if you want to know what they're talking about in that episode, in these comments. Episode 113. Go watch that episode. It's about childhood nostalgia. You'll love it if you're a child or if you were a child or if you're an adult. Every, anyone on earth will love that basically, episode. So basically anyone. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. All right. So as we record this, Josh, you're not in the country. That's true. You're gone. I'm gone. So Well, as we record this, I'm here. As, as we release it, I'll be gone. That's what I meant to say. That's what I meant to say. So you guys, we right now are pre-recording a bunch of episodes because Josh will be traveling. I'll be traveling for a bit. We're taking a little summer break, but don't worry. We're, we're giving you guys banger banger episode so we're recording this a little bit in the past yeah. so let's both go over what we're going to be doing in our beginning of the summer travels so as of recording right now i am i think i'm two weeks away from getting on the flight to london i just realized that thing's not on it's not on josiah the remote should be over there it's a it's a white remote yeah there pass it josiah We might look a little bit brighter to you now. We realized we didn't have a light turned on. Uh, I was wondering why it was a little bit dark in here. We, like we say before, we're the most pro, unpro podcast there is on the market. For real. That's why you guys love us, right? Hopefully. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I'm two weeks away from being in London, which is going to be fun. I'm going to be in London for a couple of days. Then I'm going to be seeing all my family in England. Um, and then going to spend some time in France and then some time in Italy. By train is how you're traveling most. Yeah. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to ask some questions about your travels. A little interview on your travels, okay? Okay. What are you least excited for on the very long plane flight there? I, I like the plane flight there. Okay, so, so you, you like being in planes. Yes, I like being in planes when I'm going somewhere. For all 12 hours? I feel like it's fun. Yeah, it's, well, the one that we have, we've got a, I think, a, like a four-hour flight, then a 10-hour flight or something. The journey I'm not excited for is coming back because we've got we're flying from London to New York, which is six hours, 
and then New York back to Seattle, which is another six hours. And, just like and we've got a six and a half hour layover. In New York? That's enough time. So we've got two long flights and a long layover, which I hate. Six and a half hours, too. That's enough time to do a little city exploration and come back. It's Newark, though. It's New Jersey. Yeah, yeah no, never mind. Newark is cheaper to fly into. It though. is. Anyone that doesn't know this, if you guys are in the United States and you want to travel to New York, don't fly in to JFK. Fly into Newark, Newark. and then Uber over. It's 100% worth it. Way cheaper. Okay, so you're flying there. That's your least part you're excited for. What is there any places that you're going that you haven't been before on this trip? Yeah, well, I'm going to two different places in France that I've never been before. Going okay. to Paris and Marseille. Okay, what's in Marseille? It's like one of the apparently one of the wealthiest like towns in France. Okay. It's like right on the right on the water. Uh super beautiful. Are do you have any like fears of traveling like along the way? Oh, like, for sure, dude. What's Europe number is number one. Again, robbed. Okay. Like mugged or pickpocketed? R- mugged. Okay. People are getting robbed over Europe right now. Like, you can't go anywhere with stuff shown. Like, you can't have your phone out. Keep, like, everything in your pocket or in a bag or you're getting you're getting. Mugged. I think my biggest fear when it comes to traveling, and I usually opt for the Airbnb over hotel. feels 100%. more like, you know, a local experience. But, like, I don't know. I've seen too many hidden camera videos where, Those like, people on out. TikTok are like, I just found this camera in my Airbnb. Like, dude, that scares me. That's probably my number one fear of traveling. It's yeah. just, like, someone's watching, you know? I hate that. That's scary. But, dude, the, the great thing about Europe, Airbnbs are so cheap. Really? Yeah. Like, in Marseille, a really expensive city to live in, I found Airbnbs for, like, 60 bucks a night, which are, like, full apartments. Is it because there's a lot of Airbnbs or because people aren't traveling? Oh, there's tons of Airbnbs. Okay. There's, like, hundreds of them, and they're always booked out. So it's because it's, like, super saturated. Yeah. People have to compete with the prices. Yeah. Okay. If you guys – a few travel hacks. If you're traveling, Airbnb is going to be a better experience. Could be more expensive than a hotel. But you're gonna be like in the city. It's just overall. You also get way more space. You can get like a whole kitchen. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. I want to be able to actually cook food while I'm gone. I don't want to eat out every night. You're staying here for most of the summer, and yeah. then hopping on a flight. Where are you going? So I'll be here until May 20th. I graduate high school, and then j- middle of June, me and my family flying to Hawaii. Yeah. We'll be at the Big Island first. We're there for one week. We're gonna be staying with some friends there, and then taking a hopper flight over to Kauai. Which this is crazy, but majority of Kauai you can't actually visit by car. So it's really cool. If you guys want to, if you guys want to do some research on the different islands, if you look up Kauai on Google Maps, you know how you usually see the roads. Yeah. So it's like the islands like this, and the roads. Th- there's one. There's like one main main freeway or highway. That's crazy. And the rest you can only like explore by helicopter. So it's pretty cool. No it's way. Like, it's probably gonna be like more like secluded yeah. or like you know not as industrialized. Sounds sick. I'd love. I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. That's gonna be. So I've cool. never been to either one, so I'm very excited for that. My parents went there on their honeymoon, so that's the first time they'll be back. It's also their 25th wedding anniversary, so it's kind of like all mixed in there. Um, so we go in there, and then my family will be there till the 4th of July. Then okay. they're flying back on the 4th. But I'll be leaving a day early. I'll be flying from Hawaii into Vegas. I've been going to Vegas for 4th of July for like a few years now. Um, I have family that lives out there. So I'll be going from there to there. So I'll be gone like three weeks. So how long will you be in Vegas? Uh, I don't know. Probably like five days. I'm trying to get back around when you get back so we can get back in the studio and start recording. So probably like the ninth or something. So that'll be the summer travels. And we'll be back in the swing of things. But that's why we're prepping all these episodes. But go ahead. I was going to say, follow us on Instagram. You guys will There'll be seen. lots of travel updates. Yes. Follow us on, uh, you've already seen my personal Instagram, Knight's personal Instagram, and the GV Instagram right here. Um, I'll link them again if you guys want them. Um, give us a follow. We're going to be posting travel updates. That's By now, you you'll have already follow. seen us. Yeah, that's um, how you guys can follow up on the travels yeah. again on YouTube or audio platforms. It's pretty hard to keep you guys in the loop. But 
an episode that we talked on a few weeks ago. I don't know the order of release, so you guys may have already heard it. If not, here's a teaser. We talked about graduating, what it looks like. This came to mind as something we didn't cover on the episode that I thought would be interesting to cover. Moving on from friends yeah. to new friends, going to college without friends, friends in general. That is something I've never had to experience when it comes to schooling. But I grew up in another city. You yeah. grew up in another country. So I think it would be interesting to give our perspective, like moving on from certain people and how you dealt with that. So coming from England to America, was that something you had to deal with? It was, but I was eight, so I didn't really have a really solid friend group. I just kind of had school friends. Okay. Um, so it wasn't that bad. I kind of – if you're watching, I'm sorry. But I, 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 like, I moved on quite quick because I didn't really have the most, like – I didn't really have a best friend. I just had school friends. Okay. Because I was young. Did you ever, like, when you got here, it, did you make friends right away? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. It was so much easier to make friends here than it was there. Really? Yeah. Why do you think that? Probably just those more people. The school I was in in England, just to preface, there was 24 students. Right. And your parents were teachers. Um, right? Parents were teachers. It was a family school. Um, so I didn't really get to meet that many people. But being in Reading, even though it was still a very small school, it was huge to me. There was, like, so many kids I could meet. Yeah, that's interesting. I think, like, I don't know. I, I, I would say I have probably, like, similar experience. I wasn't old enough to have, like, a solid, solid friend group. But what's funny is, like, some of my best friends that I grew up with are still some of my best friends to this day. But I will say I've had to make an effort yeah. to keep that a thing because it's hard. I mean, I'm in the same state still, but if you guys don't realize how spread out California is, it's still, like, a nine-hour drive. And, like, they're in a big city. We're in a small city. It's like it's not very convenient. Yeah. But I've probably over the years spent thousands of dollars flying down, making an effort to keep these people in my life. So if you were a high school student and your friends were staying in the hometown and you're going off to college, what would be going through your head if you were to put yourself in that in that situation? Dude, it's hard. It's really hard because I feel like for a lot of people, the main thing that draws them back to their hometown is the people who live there. Same thing with me. Like if I'm thinking of moving away, it's like it's scary because the the main thing you you love about your or the main thing I love about my hometown is the people that live here. Right. Um. So for people moving away, it is it's definitely not easy. But if you if you're intentional about keeping those friends and knowing that or like being okay with making new friends and also keeping yeah. your old friends, not just replacing them. Yeah. Then I think that that can help because I know a lot of people think of like oh, I don't want to replace my friends. Right. Have to. What do you think? Do you think the small town mentality is a real thing? Oh, yeah, for sure. What does that mean? People don't really know what that is outside of their town if they've only grown up there. So they don't see the opportunities or, like, the people they could meet. I feel like it's like you've been kind of put in one place your whole life. Do you think there's only downsides to that or there is some upsides? I think there's definitely upsides. I think it's it keeps people grounded, keeps people it lets people know what they like. And, like, if somebody gets in a really set routine, there's not really much that they can kind of like sway away from that i think i think this is something i've really just come to like understand recently is like i think majority of the time the small town mentality leads to small-minded thinking yeah but i understand it in the fact of you don't know anything different that's the thing so it's like if i've only grown up in a town where there's this job opportunity and these types of people chances are you're probably going to fall into the patterns of those types of people yeah so what i think is very interesting is that it, I think going from the small, ten, small town mentality to a big city is a very humbling experience because you realize that you're not the top dog. You're not the best at what you do, but people need that. Yeah. I think the people that stay in the small town but are big mind, like big 
they think in a big way, I think it's also diminishing to that thought process. Yeah. And I think I've been fortunate enough to grow up in both or had the opportunity to travel to both as I've grown up and just realizing like if you're the best in your city out of 100,000 people, go to a city with a million people and you won't be number one. I yeah, guarantee that. It's true. So what do you think would be more um, more hard for people to grasp? you think it would be hard for people to grasp going from small town to big town or big town to small town? I mean, I think it comes down to a numbers and competition thing. I yeah. think if you think about it in like a business thing, I think egos can be built. I think egos can be built very fast in a small town mentality yeah. because the competition is less. So if you think you're the best at what you do, go and compete with the best at in your category. So I think, what was the question again? Like, do you think it's harder for people to adjust to big town to small town or small town yeah, to big town? I would say small town to big town. I think it's always easier to to go from big to small. Yeah. I think, but I also think that's why like people, wealthy people decide to retire in smaller cities. It, that says something, right? Yeah, it's because they've they've had enough of the the high pace. They did they did the rat race. They did the competition. Um, but I also think that says a lot about people. If if people are moving to a small town for a more relaxed lifestyle, what does that mean for the people that grew up there? Yeah. You know, I- if you go and you walk and you stand in the middle of our downtown where there's a hundred thousand people, and you go in the stand in the middle of downtown Brooklyn or downtown Manhattan, there is a frequency difference of people. Yeah, definitely. People, first of all, they don't care there. They're gonna walk past you. Everyone is so in their own lane because it's forced. Yeah. You have no choice. Exactly, because you're not going to be able to get to know that many of the people in your town if it's that big. But whereas in a place like our town, you can get to know thousands of people somehow um, and probably see them again. But I don't think it's I, – I think it. I think it is – to me, it's energizing yeah. to be around people who are – they have the tunnel vision. And I think it's, it's – I think in a negative light, it's – the live or survive mentality. It's like, okay, I have $4,000 to pay rent. I live in one of the most populated cities in America. I have no choice but to work and make it happen. Um, but I think for someone that's never experienced that, I think that's scary for them. For real, yeah, because like, yeah, it's it's the thing. Big towns can be so much more expensive. They will be more expensive. Yeah. And that's a hard thing for people to adjust to moving from a small town where it might have been a little bit easier. You have enough saved up. They live in a small town, but then you realize, oh, that's not enough for one month's rent in New York. But I think when you go from big town to small town, and this is just a very like tiny example, but me being young and driving around a sports car, I get a ton of flack from the people around me, um, like random people in like trucks and stuff. They just they assume that it's not my money or yeah. it's not my accomplishment, and that to me has been the clearest example of the small town mentality. They don't know any different. Yeah. They don't see young and successful people very often. And that's um, that says a lot, first of all. But second of all, I think if you can if I can learn to understand that, I think it just puts me in like yeah. a different field. Cause then you go to LA and you see it's not even you see tons of kids in Teslas that they've earned. Right. Or like nice cars that they've bought themselves because they have it's a perspective thing. It's, it's a perspective thing. It's also an opportunity thing. In small towns, people don't get as many opportunities to become successful in ways that like you can in L.A. I think on the flip side, it's easier to become successful because there's less competition. Listen, if I did what I did in L.A., there's no way I'd be successful. I don't, I w- don't have very much competition up yeah. there. If I go to L.A., this is a normal thing. A lot of people do this, and they yeah. make 10 times more than me. So it's like, again, there's upsides and downsides. I just think for anyone that has never experienced – a the work life like the work ethic that people have in a big city i think people need to experience that and i feel so fortunate that 
we've both gotten to experience that because yeah. we, we know different now, you know? Yeah, we've traveled, we've lived in big cities, and we know people who have lived in both and moved into both. Right. And it's just like, but it's okay. just polar opposite. Last, last comment on this. I feel like if I were to have the choice looking back to have grown up in L.A. where I was born and raised or to move here, I don't think I would have stayed. And I think for a few reasons, I think I wouldn't. A f- yeah, a few reasons. I think I wouldn't be as grounded. Um, I wouldn't be as humble and I wouldn't be as focused. And I think it's all because of there's no distractions up here. Yeah. And every time I travel, I'm like, okay, I get to go back home and I get to go back to my routine and I get to get locked back into like what I do and what I know how to do. And I don't think if I grew up in a big city, I would have that because there's so many distractions. Yeah. And yeah, so I think I, I feel in a way fortunate to have grown up in a city where that's the case. Yeah, and I that I feel the same way because like with with my book, if the company was in LA and I lived in LA, right, the competition with the chefs. competition with chefs would have been huge. But in Reading, I'm it's like it's not that hard to be top dog when it comes to a certain thing because there's not that many people who are going after it. Right, and I think um, that leaves the door for opportunity, but it also widens the gap between successful and lazy. Yeah, it's shown very easily because. Um, the opportunity are sitting there, but people don't know how to take them yeah. or what to take them. But back to where we started this conversation with the whole the whole friend thing, um, I think that's pe- that's something that like people deal with a lot that we don't necessarily like. We have a solid friend group, you know, we we have people around us. But I know a lot of people don't have that. So for someone that's like sitting at home listening to this, that either just moved to a new school or is at the school and they don't feel like they have a solid friend group, if you were in their shoes, what would you do? What do you mean? Like, how would I try and find the friend group that you need? Yeah. I think don't try and fit into a group if it's not your type of group. Like, I know people will, they'll see a group they want to be a part of and then try and change themselves to right, be that I way. We've both done that. Yeah. And it's just, you're never going to get the respect that you want from something like that. Wait till you find your people. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to be, it's going to be better for you if you kind of take the background wait until you find people who really empower you really lift you up really make you feel yourself instead of kind of forcing yourself into a place where you don't actually belong i think that in that 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 thing of waiting it's like very easily said but that's lonely and that's hard really like, hard and especially for when you're in like that teenage that teenage zone and you see everyone around you that that thing of waiting until the right people that's really hard yeah and i've only i've experienced that just a tad bit and I think I would say it's well worth it, but it's also hard. It'd be lonely. And I think, but I think anything, I think anything done alone, or I, oh, oh, I would even say it this way. I think anything done the right way is hard and lonely. I think it's very hard to do something very right with people around you that aren't you and don't think the same way as you. Yeah. I think as soon as you realize that um, your individuality makes you special, I think you realize that not thinking like other people is a good thing. Yeah. Um, realizing that's really hard and really weird. Um, but I think once you realize that, you realize that staying in your own lane, as easily as it's said, is the probably one of the best things you can do for yourself. Yeah, because you, you don't want to become the people around you. You want to be able to complement the people around you with different strengths. Yeah, and that's... So that's so much easier said than done. Oh, it's for sure. It's so hard. It is. It's really hard. And that's something that I've obviously struggled with a lot, trying to just turn into the people that I'm with because I like look up to them or think that they're like something that I want to be. That's how you lose those friends because they know what you're doing. 
I think even scarier. I think that's how you lose yourself. I yeah. think that's why we see, and this is this is a this is a broad statement for a very touchy subject. But I think a lot of the reason why we see people fall into the mental health um, the mental health issues at a young age is because people are so uh, there's such a pressure to be like the people around you, and I think it's again easier said than done. And I think I think why it's so hard for people to acknowledge that they're their own person and that there's gifts that they have as them as themselves like everyone watching this there's something that you have that the other people around you don't have yeah now realizing that is hard when it's never gotten you anything do you know what i mean yeah it's really hard when you're like well what have i ever done for myself but it's also like have you given yourself a hundred percent have you sat down and be like okay i have this that josh doesn't have and vice versa josh something that i don't have have i just acknowledged that or have i gotten behind what i have inside me and giving it a hundred percent because if you haven't then you're doing yourself a disservice yeah. you're not and that's where you fall into the trap of well he's already did it well did he give it a hundred percent it's like if you if you there's one thing to acknowledge it there's one thing for me to sit here and be like i have something that you don't have and i don't mean it in an egotistical way because i'm saying it in a way of everyone listening has that one thing or those two things or those three things and some of us have more gifts than others yeah i, I think that is a thing but i think it's the people that nail it down that really make it but it's did you acknowledge it, first of all, and then did you act on it, second of all? Yeah, because, like, you can be the best in the world at something, but if you don't act on it, you're not going to be. Right. Like, you could favor yourself as the best pickleball player in the world. If you're not out there training and not out there putting your 100% in, you're never going to get to prove that you are. Like you To you the people around you, but also yourself. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you, you might think that you're better than everybody at something, but if you haven't actually put the work in to prove it, then you're lying to yourself and you're not actually making that proof. But if you actually go out and try and be what you think you can be, then you've actually got a good chance. I think it's become embarrassing and cringy to give 100%. And I hate that. Yeah. I hate that a lot. I think it's become a thing looked down upon when um, when someone really believes in what they're doing. And yeah. I think that's painful to me because I think there's so many kids, so many people listening to this and watching this right now that have that thing that makes the top 1% and makes them successful. But because the people around them have painted this picture of, oh, it's so cringy for that kid that went out and started his YouTube channel or that kid that started releasing music. But you have to put yourself in their shoes for a second. Yeah. You have to. And it's so, it's so hard and it's so, it doesn't feel like you're doing anything. But you have to think, if that kid at the lunch table is making fun of me because I started YouTube, what does he really think? Yeah. Is that the kid that really wanted to start a YouTube channel and never did? Because, like, I don't, yeah, it's a thing. Like, I don't understand why success has become something to make fun of now. I think it's because effort is hard and most people won't do it. And when most yeah. people won't do that one thing, they make fun of it. And it's also jealousy. Yeah. Like, somebody sees that somebody's doing better than them and then they choose to, instead of acknowledge they're doing better, to ridicule. Yeah, I think it's, it's, um, I think it's, it's um I think it's a fear thing. I think a lot of people are scared of the people around them finding success first. And if you're the person in that shoes because there's people listening that are that person that make fun of the guy at the lunch table and that's okay. Um I've been that guy in plenty of situations. I think if you're listening to this and that's you, I think you need to think about that for yourself. Um because you need to take responsibility for also what you've done to the people around you. I think it's I think it's really hard to walk around and um and say that you don't care what people think, because I think that's actually a, a pretty um, hurtful mentality. I think anyone that lives by that 
is shut off to their own emotions in a way. Yeah. I just don't think it's a realistic way to live. I don't think that because you do care at the end of the day. I I I think it's a very very dark and dangerous place to be at the point where you don't care what anyone thinks because chances are you're hurting the people around you. Because yeah. if you don't care, that means that you don't take other people's feelings into consideration. Yeah. And as soon as you don't do that, you shut yourself off from a lot of, one, opportunities, and two, relationships. And those two things combined are what makes successful people. Yeah. So I think it's really, really dangerous to live by that. Yeah, because there's a fine line between not caring what other people think and living by other people's opinions. Very different. Since, and it's something that I've really struggled with, and I think it's something that most people struggle with, when I realize that I can start living by my own opinions and not letting what other people say dictate my, like, how I feel about myself, that's made me so much happier. But that still means I take in everybody's opinions i listen to what people think about what i'm doing um and i really do value it but i'm not gonna let that dictate every instance of my life yeah i think um to add on to that last point i think if you if you live in a way of not caring what other people think i think that's a very quick way to get into an egotistical mindset yeah as soon as i believe that i'm number one I've cut myself off to every other opportunity that will ever be handed to me. Yeah. As soon as I believe that I'm the best and that there's no one around me that can give me feedback on what I'm doing, I've cut myself off to every other opportunity because um, you'll never be number one. Exactly. There's always somebody who's right behind you. No matter how good 100%. you think you are, there's somebody who's closer than you could imagine. 100%. Like, I don't know if the episode will have come out by now, um, but we talked with an athlete who told us he's the number one athlete in his sport, and he told us that, he knows that there's people right behind him that are going to catch up to him one day. And that's why he puts in the work every single day, three or four hours of training a day, just to make sure that he stays on that top dog spot. 100%. And that's, that's the difference because, as, yeah, as soon as you say you're number one, you'll get comfortable. And as soon as you believe that you're number one, you won't keep trying. You'll just be like, oh, well, no one's going to take me because I'm still the best. You still have to keep proving that. Because yeah. you can keep that spot. You just have to prove that you deserve it. Yeah, and I think, I think, yeah, I think being comfortable is super dangerous. And I've even been processing this lately. Is I feel really comfortable, and um, I'm trying to figure out why, how to balance that. Because I feel like <clears throat> we all, in a sense, are working for comfortability. I think that's what we all, at the end of the day, that's what money does. Money yeah. is really comfortable. Um, I think good relationships are really comfortable. Um, I think being happy is really comfortable. Um, but I think there's that also means that there's a side that I'm not pushing myself. And that's just been something I've personally been processing lately is like I'm really, really comfortable right now. Yeah. And um, I don't think that's fully good. And I feel like there's something else I could be doing. And I don't know what that is. So I'm kind of sitting in it right now. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm waiting for the next thing that challenges me. I'm waiting for the next risk-taking opportunity. And in a way, I'm not searching for it. Um, and that's probably not a good thing. Yeah. Well, because at the end of the day, comfortability, there's nothing wrong with as long as you're keeping on working for that comfortability. Right. Because right. I know a lot of people will reach comfortability and then take the step back and just expect the rest of their life to be comfortable. I don't. But the way you'll actually yeah. achieve real comfortability is by working for that comfortability so you can stay in that area. Like if you keep if you keep working hard, it doesn't mean that you 
can't be comfortable while you're working hard. Yeah, true. Like you can be living a really great life, but also be working every single day to make sure you maintain that life. Yeah. And that's the comfortability that you can deserve. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Because I feel more hungry than ever. And I feel more excited than ever about what I'm doing and the opportunities that I have. Um, and I think recently I've just been like, all right, so we're going in to record. Like, how do we make whatever this 30 or 40 minutes most impactful that we can? Um, and we really we really think about those things. And I think, I think what it's come down to is like just every day, am I striving for the best that I can put out? And it, but I d- what's interesting is I don't think anyone, um, I don't think anyone talks about what that first bit of comfortability feels like. Yeah, like we all we all want it, and then you get a little bit of it, and you're like, all right, what's next? And and I think this is where I, it scares me. I don't want to just be chasing comfortability my whole life. Yeah. I don't want that. I I want to, I want to feel like the pressure of the what's next. But that's very easy to say when you feel comfortable. Seriously, yeah, because you could say. You want what's next to happen, but then you get so comfortable, and you're like, "But I like this." I think it's I think it's especially hard for me because it's it's hard for me to acknowledge. <clears throat> I, I've always just been more of a future thinker, and it's very hard. And this is not a good thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing. It's very hard for me to acknowledge the moment that I'm living in. And what I don't want is I don't want in ten years for me to look back and realize what I had then is what I was wanting in the future. Yeah. Um. So I think it's it's that it's that mix of like. I think the risk taking makes me more hungry for what's next, but in on the flip side, this is what I've worked for. I don't know, dude. It's really weird. It's really weird. Yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, I don't want to be eighty five and still grinding every right, single day of my right. life. Like, I want to get to a point in my life where I've worked to the point where I'm happy with my life, right? And I can then have comfortability and the the comfortability in my mind will be knowing that the work I've done has set my kids and my family up for comfortability in the future. Well, the last thing before we move on, I think this whole, this whole movement or just like, I don't know, content wave or however you want to put it of like the grind and the process has to look this one way. I think I grew up thinking that of like, this is the one way to success. This is the way you do it. You have to wake up at four o'clock. You have to do all these different things. And, and this is what the grind is. But why does no one talk about that you can enjoy that grind and you can be happy during that grind? Yeah, you don't have to be miserable. You don't have to work yourself to the point where you're right. depressed. Well, that's why sometimes I'm like, I like I love, I really love what I'm doing. Like, I'm happy right yeah. now. And this is the grind. Like, this is the process. Like, yeah. I work really hard and I really love my life. Why can't we talk about that? Why can't we talk about how, like, doing what you love is really enjoyable even when it's not working? Yeah. It might not feel like, oh, I've made it. Nowhere near that ever have I ever felt but I'm also like, I, I don't know. And I think that's that's maybe I'm realizing this as we talk is like maybe I feel comfortable because I looked at it a certain way and it's not that. Yeah. Like I, I like I don't think I realize that you can love the hard parts of things. You can love the I haven't made it yet or you can really love the grind. And I don't think anyone told me that. Yeah. I don't. It's because nobody really knows that, that that can be true. People think that. Well, it's not nobody. Obviously, people know. But like. People who haven't reached the grind yet or reached that point where they're working for something, they think that it's going to suck all the way through, but it's right. just not. You can re- like you can really, really like what you're doing and yeah. it not worked yet. Yeah. So for everyone out there that like consumes the content of like – and listen, I'm not saying that stuff has not fired me up or doesn't fire me up. When someone – guy is yelling in your face being like, you got to do this. It's going to suck the whole way. 
yeah, that might that might feel good. But I'll also be the guy to tell you that you can love the process. You yeah. can love what you're doing, even when it hasn't worked. You can love you can love the nine to five. Like no one no one can tell you different, dude. Yeah. If you love going to your office job and going home to your family. I respect you way more than the guy that's yelling at me, being like, you need to wake up at 4 a.m., and it's going to suck until you're in your mid-40s. That guy is not actually telling the truth. No, because he doesn't have the success he wants. Yeah, but that guy also doesn't seem happy. No. Why have we, like, we've affiliated the grind and the haven't had the success yet with a bad thing. Dude, you can love that. What are you working for if it's not happiness? (laughs) Like, what does it matter if you're not happy? Literally, tell me what it matters if you're not happy. Yeah, I, I, What, are you going to be depressed with a million dollars in your bank account? What's the point? Uh, but it's, it's like, I didn't understand that. Yeah. And I think it's hard to understand that until it's put into perspective. And we might not be the guys to put it into perspective for you, but when you figure it out, just look back to this episode. Yeah, literally. Because, <laughs> like, to bring it back to the process of writing the book, I had to come up with 100 recipes um, and like test all of them, narrow down to 50, narrow down to 30, and that's what went in the book. I loved doing that, and it was hard work. Like, yeah. it was multiple hours a day. Um, like, it was it was a lot of work, but I loved it because it's what I like doing, and it's what I'm good at, so it was satisfying. You know what I mean? I think, I think there's, I think in the simplest way, there's something fulfilling about the little steps if you acknowledge the little steps. Yeah. You have to realize that everything that, like, you're working for day to day that's a s- like it's a snowball effect. Like it's like all right, Monday and Tuesday I did this. We're rolling into Wednesday. I'm higher than I was on Monday. You have to acknowledge that to even realize that you're making a difference. Yeah. A lot of people give up before they've given themselves any acknowledgement. Literally, like if you're trying to open a restaurant but you have no recipes, start making the recipes. Make a good soup. Once the soup is Don't good, you're like that oh, that's a victory. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. you need to lay the lay the the groundwork. Like. Yeah. What are you going to do? Buy a restaurant, expect there be food on the table, but not go buy the ingredients. Right. I think the best, the easiest way that was put is I was listening to Will Smith's autobiography, and he, he said that his dad told him, he said, walls are built brick by brick. Yeah. He said the people walking by those walls won't understand that. But you know that those walls were built brick by brick. And the, the whole story comes out of, as a kid, Will Smith's dad always had him doing like physical labor, and one summer there was this huge cement wall that they had to build. And Will said, I never looked at a wall the same after that. I love that story. But it's, it's that, but also you put that in a perspective of now when we look at fellow podcasters, we can't look at them from the eye of just a listener. We know what it took yeah. to do 100 episodes. Sometimes you don't know the day in and the day out until you've experienced it firsthand. And so even if you're not going into the career field where you're going to understand that, understand that the groundwork was done, the yeah. blueprints were written by someone. Literally, like think about Joe Rogan, the most successful podcast to ever exist. People think it's probably easy to just sit behind the mic. The amount of work it's taken for him to get where he is now, yeah, and also the amount of work it takes to set up one episode. It's every pressure. single time. It's, it's pressure. Because he's talking to tens of millions of people every single day, like whenever it comes out. There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the camera. He's probably got dozens of crew members, yeah. dozens of cameras, everything that could go wrong, and it's just it's not as easy as just what people people see yeah from viewing well on that segment we'll leave you guys with that i think it's just something to put into perspective for yourself when you think about it um but before we wrap up this episode josh has a little few jokes for us i do yeah one of them all well, three of them you guys are gonna we hate need, we need to segue this a little bit smoother 
I don't know what else to say, you guys. If if there's something you want to work towards, go put your 100% effort. That's the only way to make it real for yourself. 100%. That's it. I want to see all you guys be millionaires in a few years. I And I thoroughly believe all you guys can do it. Yeah. The kid listening to this in his basement in New York, I know there's one of you guys doing that. You can make it too. And the kid in um, in Ohio listening to this. Yeah. And John, Stacy, Linda. All you guys. Everyone Brian, you can all do it. Everyone listening to this, I'm the guy that's going to tell you that you you can be the one to make it in your family. If no one in your family has done it, you can be the one to do it. If no one in your school is doing it, you can be the one to do it. If there's no one in your city doing it, you're the guy to do it. You're the yeah. girl to do it. Uh, and some of you guys haven't been told that, so I'll be the guy to tell you. Um, and the DMs are always open. If yeah. anyone wants to ever ask questions, me or Josh or the Juvie account, we're here for you guys. All right, now jokes with Josh. Now a little bit lighter. This is me putting in the groundwork to become a stand-up comedian. Okay, so Shoot. this is this is what it's going to be. Um, Did you come up with these? No. Okay. So a guy walks into a bar and asks for fruit punch. The bartender says that if he wants fruit punch, he has to wait in line. But there was no punch line. Yeah, that one. That Okay, I will admit that one had a little bit of like... A second, you know, it took a second to land. I think that was pretty good. I know how much you love non-punchline jokes. Right, right. What are those called? The non-jokes? No, non-jokes. Something like that, dude. Those are funny. What's the difference between a cat and a comma? One has claws at the end of its paws. Oh. And the other has paws at the end of its claws. You see, grammar jokes, just those will never be funny to me. I <laughs> that is such a good joke. Because I don't get most of them. I think that's why. Okay. And and I know how much you love long story jokes, so that's why I have this one. It's a couple paragraphs long. I hope you guys are... Uh, just grab, a, grab some popcorn. There was once a conductor of a youth orchestra. He had trouble controlling his temper sometimes and would lash out violently. One day while in rehearsals, the first violin player was just playing out of tune for no reason. The conductor got so angry, he kicked the violin player so hard that he died. The conductor was convicted and sentenced to death. For his last meal, the conductor ordered a dozen bananas. The guard was a bit perplexed, but hey, it's his last meal. The conductor ate the bananas and went on his way to the chair. They turned on the juice and let him fry, but the conductor lived. In this particular place, if you live through execution, you are set free. So the conductor went back to what he does best, conducting, although he still had violence issues. On another fateful day, the last chair flutist couldn't play, and he got fed up and threw a music stand at her and killed her. Moving forward to death row, he had the same prison guard look after his meal. Again, he ordered 12 bananas. The guard was really puzzled, but filled the order. Not only that, but the conductor lived through another electric chair. For a third time, the conductor was back on the podium where the snare drummer was just being loud. The conductor threw his baton at the poor drummer and she fell dead with a baton in her eye. The conductor found himself once again in that small cell ordering his dozen bananas. This time, the guard couldn't take it anymore. I've given you three last meals each time you order 12 bananas. I have never seen anybody live through the electric chair. Do bananas help that? Asked the guard. The conductor looked up from his seventh banana and replied, no, I just really like bananas. The guard was shocked. Then how in the hell did you keep living through the electric chair? Because I'm a bad conductor. I I don't think I've ever felt my time has been wasted more. Oh, man, my head hurts. Oh, gosh, gosh. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Jokes with Josh. Josh. And also this episode of Juvie as well. 
Um, and I really hope you've enjoyed it. Because um, you know that we have. You know that Knight loves my jokes. Josiah loves my jokes as well. He's yawning because he thought it was so good. Wow. Um, if you were listening on audio platforms, please make sure to download this episode. Hit that subscribe button. That's not on platforms. Uh, download this episode. Follow. Hit the follow, follow and the review. And then also on YouTube, please make sure to subscribe. Hit the like button. Leave a comment. Share the video. And make sure, most importantly, the notification bell is turned on. To get notified for every single upload. Thank you guys so much for watching this episode. That is a wrap. That is a wrap.